morning. My name is Shelly McCarran, and I get to help launch Moss here. I'm really excited about that. I also get to read the scripture today. It is Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Good morning. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Calvary. And it's great to be here at the Thornton campus. I'm often at the Erie campus doing men's ministry, but I do some work with Global Missions, which is across the campuses, and love being able to work at the different campuses and being here in Thornton to worship. The text we just read together was Romans 12, 1 through 8. And as we're going through this series on the church, we're talking about um, various components of things that we believe. And we're at the very end of the series. We're talking about what do we believe about the church? In the first week, we talked about what is our identity as the church. Then last week, Zach opened up to us of how do we live as the community of the church. And this week, we're actually talking about how do we serve within the church? How do we live as servants within the church? And I want to begin with a question. And the question is this. It's how does each one of us, or how should each one of us, serve in the church or be involved in the ministry of the church? From the youngest to the oldest, what desire does God have for us to actually be involved in work and ministry within the church, serving within the church. And the reason I ask that is because I think that often we can think of church as something you go to or attend. Even the way that we often talk about it is, I'm going to church, or I'm going to, which church do you attend? And there's absolutely a component that we come together and we worship. But as we're talking in this series, we're wanting to, our understanding of the church to actually be a people that we do come and gather as the church, but we also go out and we live as the church as we go out. And so the question is, what is each one of us, like all of us who have called Jesus our Lord and Savior, what is each one of us called to do as part of the church? And that's what we're looking at this text in Romans 12, 1 through 8. So we're going to just walk through this and we're going to see what can we learn about what God has called us to do to be involved in serving in the church. And we'll start in verses 1 to 2 that we, as we looked at those. And Paul begins by saying this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You'll notice that what Paul says is here is he, he's making an appeal. And he's making an appeal based on something. And what he says is, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And so we're at Romans chapter 12 right here. But there's 11 chapters of Romans where Paul has been laying out what are God's mercies towards his people. How has he saved his people? And in Romans, it's about the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's God revealing his righteousness and saving his people through faith. And so now Paul is getting to chapter 12. And after just expounding on the beauty of the gospel and God's mercy poured out to his people, and he's in chapter 11, at the end of it, he's, he's just elevating the mercy of God. Now he's saying, okay, I'm appealing to you, therefore, Based on the message you've heard, based on the gospel, based, of all, based on what, all of what I've said, that this is how you are to live, that you are to offer your body as a living sacrifice to God. Now, if you think throughout the Bible, the imagery of sacrifice is really interesting because we see sacrifices being offered. Bulls, goats, rams, they're offered on an altar as a sacrifice. But here Paul is saying, you yourself are now to be the sacrifice to God. That you still offer sacrifices, not of a bull or a goat or a ram, but you are the sacrifice, living sacrifice. So the image is you give your whole self to God in response to the gospel. In response to what God has done in pouring out his mercy on you, he's now saying, okay, this is how you live. Give yourself to the Lord fully. Don't be transformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by your, renewing your mind by allowing God to renew your mind. And so this is where we start. We begin with our motivation, which is God's love and kindness to us in his son, Jesus Christ, is a thing that motivates us to actually serve him. And in verse three, I think what Paul is going to do is he's going to take this idea of giving ourselves fully to God and he's going to apply it in how we relate to one another as members of the body, as members of the church, as members of Christ. How do we relate to one another? How do we live out with our various capacities, abilities, and giftings in relationship to each other. And so in verse 3, Paul says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. He's warning against pride here. He said, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. He says, going on, but to think with sober judgment. Don't be drunk with pride. Think with sober judgment. Don't look down on others as though they're less than you. This is where he's going. Don't think I'm here as a Christian and the person next to me is like here. He's saying you are to not think of yourself too highly, but think soberly, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And so he's warning against pride here. He's saying don't measure yourself. Don't become prideful but think of yourself according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, there's a couple different views on what is meant when Paul talks about this measure of faith that God has assigned. One view is that when he talks about the one faith in, at the end of verse three, the measure of faith that God has assigned, he, or then when he talks about this measure of faith, some people would say that when he talks about that, what he's, he's talking about is this one faith that we all share. And so that as Christians, we all have one faith that we believe in. We're all one in the body of Christ. We all receive the grace of God. So we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than others. That's one view. 
Another view, which I think is more likely, is that when Paul is talking about faith here, he's not talking about a saving faith, like in the way that we're saved by faith and brought to God, but he's actually talking about faith as a sort of a capacity, a way that we live out the giftings that we have. And so when he's talking about faith here, at the end of verse 3, he says, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned, it would be something like this. He's saying, God has given you each certain faith and capacities to exercise gifting. So you have abilities and giftings, and God's given you the faith to live out what he's calling you to live out in his church, in his body. God gives giftings, he gives capacities, and he gives us the faith, actually, even to live out those giftings. And I think this is what Paul is saying here, because in the context here, he's actually going to be talking about spiritual giftings, the way that each of us have been given gifts, capacities, and the way that we relate to one another. And so it seems that he's saying, you've also been given faith, strength, and ability to live out what God's given you, as he's talking about spiritual giftings. So before we get too far in this, I think it would just be helpful, because we're talking about this idea of giftings today, or spiritual giftings. I think it would be helpful to define what we mean when we say that. Later on in this passage, Paul's going to list a number of spiritual gifts. He's going to talk about prophecy and generosity, or contributing in generosity, and leading, and doing acts of mercy with cheerfulness. But I think a helpful way you could understand what spiritual gifts are is a spiritual gift is really an ability or a capacity that you have. It could be a natural ability, but it's an ability or a capacity you have, and someone else said this, I thought it was helpful, that is used in faith to build up others' faith. So it's not just merely the gift or capacity you have, but it's specifically when that gift or capacity is used in faith with the desire to help build someone else up in their faith. So that you're trusting, you're walking with God, you're taking what he's given you, and you're using it to serve others and help them grow in their faith. This is something that is given to each member, each person in Christ, that we all have gifts or giftings, and we use those giftings in faith as God's spirit empowers us. And the giftings aren't all the same. And I don't think Paul's going to try and give us an exhaustive list, like tell us all the spiritual gifts in verses 6 to 8, because we actually see that there's different giftings mentioned in other portions of Scripture. But it seems that he's giving examples of what giftings are. And I don't think even if you combine all the passages of Scripture, you end up with all the giftings. It seems that the spiritual gifts that the body has been given are varied. There's a lot of them. And so going on verses 4 to 5, with this context in mind, he's talking about spiritual giftings. This is what Paul says. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So Paul says to begin this four. He's continuing on his thought. He says, you've each been given this measure of faith by God. This measure of faith is to be exercised, to live out your faith in community. And here he says, in one body we have many members. And so now he's going to show us, why should we not be prideful? Well, because God is the one who's going to give us faith and giftings. And also, he's going to show us because we actually are dependent on one another. We need one another as Christians. And the illustration he gives is, is a body, where a body has many members. So you just think about a physical body. There's hand, there's foot, there's ears, there's eyes. There's all these different members. And the body's members, the parts of the body, don't all do the same thing. 
But if you take one part away, you realize how important it is. And maybe you've had this before in your life. Your, your knee is doing fine, and then it begins to act up. It goes out. I had an ACL reconstruction, and I don't think about my ACL often, but when it's out and it's not working, I think about it a whole lot. The image is that we have a body with all these members doing different things, and each part is needed. But when you take away one of those parts of the body, when you can't use your hand, when you can't use your leg, when you can't see, all of a sudden you realize how significant and vital that part of the body is. And Paul is saying here is that this is who we are as a Christian community, that we're a body with all these members that have different giftings, different abilities, and that we shouldn't become prideful because we might think that some parts of the body are the most important, but you take away a part of the body and all of a sudden we realize how significant it is. And no part of the body, no part of the body operates on its own. They're all dependent upon one another. In a similar passage in 1 Corinthians 12, as Paul talks about spiritual giftings, he says this in verse 17, and I think this is just a great example. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? So you imagine this, you have just an eye operating on its own, saying if the whole body was an eye, how would it hear? And the answer is it wouldn't hear. That wouldn't be a functioning body. That would be more of a monstrosity. It'd be more of a terrifying thing. Just an eye on its own, just an ear on its own. His point is we need one another. And so in the church, this is how it can play out. Sometimes we think that there's certain things, man, if, if I am a Christian who is leading in some capacity, if I'm a Christian who is speaking, if I'm a Christian who can sing well, like whatever it might be, if, I, if I'm a Christian who's really gifted in this area, then I'm an important part of God's work. But Paul's saying, no, don't, don't think that way. Understand that each one of you has been given a gifting, has been given an ability that is for building up the church community. And without you and your gifting in the community, there's actually something lacking and missing. And we actually don't want a church of only mouths, or only eyes, or only ears, or only Zachs, or only Marks, or only any of us. We want a church with the varied members as we're called to be. And so we have these different giftings that we need. Now, I think sometimes that we think that maturity is when you get to a point where you really don't need other people. And it's kind of the American independence view of maturity. If I don't need other people, then that's maturity. But Paul would actually push us to think about maturity in a different way. It would be understanding and living out of who Lord, the Lord has made you to be, using the giftings he's given you, but it's also actually to depend on one another. To realize that I can't operate on my own. I can't be a knee operating on my own. I can't be an eye or an ear or a nose. Like we need the whole body and maturity I think Paul would say is actually recognizing that and living together as a church community with the varied giftings, the varied capacities that we have, which means that we, we actually need each other. Like we're going to need one another's wisdom, prayers, and practical care at various times in our lives. And that's recognizing that is actually a healthy way of being a mature Christian. Now, maybe as you think about that, you think, but am I gifted? I'm not so sure I'm actually gifted as a Christian. 
But in verse 3, Paul says that we're to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And, and the image he's giving us is that we have each been given this measure of faith to exercise our gifting. So Paul would say, yes, you, you have been given faith. If you are in Christ, if you've come to believe in him, you have been given a gifting and an ability that's to be used in the body. Similar passage, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Paul says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So before we try and understand what, what are the giftings, it's just helpful for us to know that each one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, if we've come to know Christ, we have actually been given giftings that are indispensable parts of how God is going to build his church. And that without any of us operating in the giftings that we have, the whole church will suffer. And that we will miss out on our own growth and formation. That we need one another, like the body needs all of its members. And so because God's given us these varied gifts, and because he's the one who gives them to us, it keeps us from pride. And also because we realize we need one another, it keeps us from pride. But as, as we go on, what we're going to look at this is Paul is going to call us to actually live out our gifts. So in verse 6, Paul says this, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, God's given us these different gifts. He says this, Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. See what he's saying? He's saying if you're gifted in, in showing mercy, the mercy that God has shown to you if, you, if you're gifted in showing that to others, do it with cheerfulness. He's saying go all in on what the Lord has given you. If you're someone who contributes, be generous in giving out in what you have. If you're someone who leads, be zealous about it. Don't be ashamed to lead. Lead with zeal. And so I asked a question to uh, Zach and Brody recently. I said, how has this been lived out in Thornton? Because I, I know there's many ways that faith is lived out. And they just gave me a few examples. And this is in no way exhaustive because we could not get through all the examples that there are. But they shared just a few examples that I thought were really good examples of how are people here at this church using their giftings. And some of the things they shared was just about people who are serving in kids ministry, the way that they've seen a couple serve in kids ministry. They've seen a man who will welcome people into the community. I think about something like serving in kids ministry. Like that, that's such an important role of helping to pass the gospel on from generation to generation, to make disciples and help children grow up to understand what the gospel is. They served about, they uh, shared about people who are helping just with monthly communion. I think of these behind the scenes things that could sort of go unnoticed. But that moment each month we take together in communion, it's this significant moment. And there's service that's behind the scenes and how that happens. They share about hospitality and how people have opened up their homes or shared meals with others. And the way that that generosity, that open home is, is a way of serving and helping others grow in their faith. They shared about how one of the members of the church had had a surgery, and, and after that surgery, members of the worship team and the young adult team rallied together to help drive the person to church and, and to provide meals. And just think about those practical, tangible ways of serving. That's, that's ways where you take the abilities and the gifts you have, whether that's driving a car or preparing a meal, and you say, okay, Lord, 
how can I use this in faith to build up the faith of others? How can I use what you have given me? You've given me all these blessings, all these capacities, all these giftings in my life. How can this be used in faith to build up others' faith? They shared about Lorna, and Lorna's in her 90s, and she's been helping with refugee teams. So people are coming over to the United States for the first time, and as they're in the United States, she's, she's helping to serve, helping them to understand English, spending weekly, regular time helping to use her skills for people to understand language, understand English. I think it's just the, the, the practicality of that, that throughout the whole of your life saying, okay, God, what have you given me? You've given me an ability to use English skills, to, to, to teach others, and then using that gifting to help people in a time of need, showing love and care and kindness, how she's opened her home, welcomed people into her home, provided meals, just these practical, tangible acts of hospitality and praying. And I just think that's a great example of how do we take what the Lord has given us and say, okay, Lord, how can I use this in faith to build up the faith of others? Now, maybe you're wondering, how do I know what my giftings are? How do I know what I'm actually gifted in? And before answering that question, I, I think that the main thing, or as we think about answering that question, the main thing that we should actually think about is this. More than understanding what our giftings are, like the positions that we should serve in, I think we should actually think more about our posture towards serving. And here's what I mean by that. I heard this example recently. I thought it was really helpful that if we wake up each day and we say, okay, Lord, I believe that you are at work in my life. I believe that you've saved me, that you've given me these giftings. Could you help me today to live out my faith and to help build up other people in their faith? That that posture, that posture of humility and eagerness to serve the Lord, that that is going to be something that the Lord is going to use. And that we can ask the question of where am I gifted? What position should I serve in? But if we have that posture right, that's a great foundation for being prepared to serve wherever the Lord would have us. But as we think about that, so we have the posture of humility, the posture of saying, okay, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you would have me to do. I want to be a part of building your church. I want to see, be a part of the gospel going to the ends of the earth as you called us to do, to make disciples of all nations. How do I do that? It's the posture over the position at first, but then three ideas. One is you can pray. I mean, you can actually pray and ask God for wisdom. God, what have you gifted me in? You could read the passages like 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and actually reflect on those. Say, Lord, what, what ways have you gifted me? I think you could ask each other. If you've served with other people or spent time with other people in the church, say, hey, what have you seen in me? Have you seen any sort of giftings or capacities or abilities? Are, are there been, have there been ways that I have helped you grow in your faith? What have you seen in my life that could help me consider how to live out the giftings that the Lord's given me? Because, again, we're, we're not independent. We actually can rely on each other. Even, even to understand ourselves rightly, we can really appreciate the gift and the blessing that community is. And then finally, another way to discern your gifts is just actively serving and trying different things. To be willing to try something, to serve in a ministry, to serve in an area, to... Um, be involved in something that is a risk for you. That can be actually a really helpful way to see where you're gifted. And you may actually be gifted in something that you try, and, and at first you're, you don't feel like you're so good at it. 
That's okay, because it's often through time and testing and trials that the Lord is going to work and develop the gifts that he has in our lives. So I want to go back to this original question. How should each Christian, each one of us, be involved in serving in community, involved in the ministry of the church? I think sometimes that we think that in order to really serve God, we should go into maybe full-time ministry, or, or maybe it's move overseas and go into full-time ministry. And okay, th- th- there's people who the Lord is going to call to certain roles like that, but I think that we often have a false view of ministry, and that's that there's some people who are really called to give their whole life to God, and there's some people who just, you know, on occasion in their free time. But the truth is that Romans 12:1, what it tells us is Paul saying, hey, I appeal to you, by God's mercy, offer your whole self to God. What that means is that every member of the church is to be engaged in ministry. All of us are called to the full service of God with our lives. It's actually a great thing that God has put us in different areas of life. He's put us in different places, in different times, in different seasons. He's given us different gifts and different capacities so that his church would would be built up. And so what are we all called to? We're all called to give ourselves fully to God. All of us are called to that. Now, how that might look might be in various capacities. That might look very different if you're a businessman or retired, if you're a businesswoman or a student, a child. There's all these different capacities in your life, whether you're a businesswoman or you're at the end and you're in retirement. There's different ways that we serve But all of us are called to give ourselves fully to God. And so I think the way we can think about it is this. What has the Lord given you in your life? It's not merely that as you walk into the church building, and I also don't want us to think about it this way. It's not merely as though you walk into the church building and it's like your spiritual gifts are activated. Like we said, like you are, you are God's people. It's that as you walk out the door, as you live your life, he has given you giftings and capacities that in all those areas of life can be lived out. That as you seek to live out your faith and to build up the faith of others. I even think with kids and students, it can be so easy to think, well, as a kid, you know, later in your life at some point, you can maybe use your giftings. Maybe at some point later you can really serve. But I've, what I, one of the things I've seen working for six years in student ministry is that students can have an incredible capacity to use their giftings. The way they can serve and be involved is quite an amazing thing. I've, I've seen this, especially at Calvary, in the ways that high school students have poured into middle school students and made disciples of middle school students. The way I've seen middle school students help out in Calvary kids. The way I've seen students from all ages just engaging and serving. And often there's a lot that we actually learn from children in the church community and their faith. And even as I think about the parts of the body being indispensable, the members of the body being indispensable, like we actually need the children in this church and to see their faith. They need examples in us and we need examples in them. We, we need each other's giftings. All of us who have trusted in Christ have an ability and a gifting that he's given. And so after service, we're going to have this opportunity where we're going to look at what are some of the various ministries you can serve in the church. And for some of us, it may be taking a step in one of those ministries. Now, it may not be, and I I don't know what it will be for each one of us, but what we do know is this, 
that all of us are called to use our giftings that the Lord has given us to serve the church. So whether that's taking a step right now in a specific ministry, that's something to consider, or whether it's just looking at what the Lord has given you in your life and saying, okay, Lord, how do I, how do I take a step of actually serving you with what you've given me? How can I use the gifts, the abilities, the skills that you have given me in faith to build up the faith of others? And that's what we're all called to as Christians. What are we all called to? We're all called to use what the Lord has given us to build his church. And Jesus in Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says, you know, all authority is given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is the great commission. What Jesus commissions the church to do, and all of us as members of Christ's body have a role to play in making disciples and seeing the church go forward and helping that progression of the gospel go to the ends of the earth. So I'll go ahead and pray for us, and then we will um, continue our service as we respond to the Lord in worship through song. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness and goodness to us. I thank you for the ways that you have gifted each one of us here, Lord, not just that you've um, saved us, but then you've actually called us to be a part of the Great Commission. Lord, I pray that we would know, each one of us, that we would know your goodness and kindness, that we would know who you've made us to be, and that we'd be faithful to that. Lord, I pray that you would keep us from pride, as Paul warns against, that we wouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we should, but we would recognize that you are the one who gives good gifts, and that we need one another as a body and that we would be active and engaged with our gifts for the sake of your ministry and the sake of your work and the sake of the gospel going forward through us as a church. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen.